You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist. And this is episode 95 of the Always Moto podcast. Welcome in. We are here. We are brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. Thanks for their support. And as always, I'm your host, David Hogan. We are in the depths of the clinic. We are throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. And as always on the show, we'll be going through all things injuries in our sport. But that's just part of it. There's always plenty more of it, but we are going through the injuries because that's what we do here on the Always Moto podcast because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. It's an unfortunate statement, but it's a you know, it's positive because there's always a recovery that comes part of it as well. They're always getting back on the bike 95% of the time. <laughs> this week on the show, we will review, we are reviewing slash previewing the riders that are heading into the East Coast 250 that's happening this weekend in Detroit. That's right. It's round one for the East Coast riders. We're going to have a look at the riders, the top riders with uh, top 100 numbers and their pre-seasons and the injuries that they may have had and if they're coming off injuries, etc. So we'll check that out later in the show. We're going to have a bit of a look at the 450 top 15 as well. This is a bit different this week on the show. We're going to check out the riders that are in the top 15 and how long or how many races they've had in the AMA in succession without an injury. And is that then translating to, and you can work this out yourself, is that translating to better results for them or not? So we'll have a look at that. Something different. We've had some input. We're bringing some different things into the show this week. A little bit shorter show this week. We haven't got any check-ins, unfortunately. We had a couple lined up. They, had, they unfortunately fell through to some scheduling issues from both sides of the of, of issue from the parties there involved. Um, but we've got some two lined up for next week's show. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast to check out those in next week's episode. We do have an emergency department. Don't worry, we'll give you that list. Uh, we'll check in on those sorts of things as well. So we're going to got a ba- mainly an injury fitness heavy show this week, which is all well and good. Now, hey, Moto fans, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Liat Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style. From head to toe, Liat Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride. And if you haven't seen me and the family rocking our Liat gear on the social channels, well, you're obviously not watching the right social channels, but we've been out and about in that Liat gear. It's very bright. It's very cool. Um, we're getting some pictures out there. The kids are loving it. I'm loving it. It's nice to have some the support of Liat Moto Australia. 
The other thing that we've got going, we've got the pivot pegs. They're on the Sherco Motorcycle Australia 302 stroke. We've got them fitted up this weekend. We finally got a ride with them, which is awesome. I've been missing those pegs a lot. But if you need some new pegs and you want something that's wide, strong, and functional, then you need a pivot peg. They are super wide pegs with a pivoting action that help you move around on the bike that reduce the wear of your boot sole and improve your leg positioning throughout your ride. Get some pivot pegs now. Get head over to pivotpegswithaz.com and check them out. They are definitely worth having on your bike. Now, if you're looking for some fitness and some ways to improve your overall health, well, competitive edge performance might be someone you want to look at. They are the leading, oh, leading. They are looking to take your performance to the next level. A competitive edge, they are the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs from sports nutrition and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they have you covered. They offer in-person sessions with top and with on offering in-person sessions and top online. I'm, I'm butchering this read. I apologize to you, Damien, but mate, the, this, this, the, the training is just too good to miss out. I'm going to rerun part of this. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, they've got you covered, offering in-person sessions and top on, top-notch top online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. You need to join Competitive Edge Performance today. They've got a podcast for listeners. Oh, we're going so well here. For podcast listeners, they have a 50% discount off your first month on their training app using the, the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. Oh, it's late, guys. I'm recording this really late tonight. Uh, we've had a bit of a, a big week on the work schedule. Uh, the day job's been kicking my ass. So my my pronunciation, my enunciation, my flow seems to be off so far. We're getting there. We're getting there slowly. Don't forget, with that training butt, slantboard guy. I've been using my slantboard in the gym regularly. It's a very handy piece of equipment. It's helping my legs. It's helping my knees. Everything's working a lot better after my injuries that I've had, and it's all mostly thanks to that slant board um, helping me get some range of motion back with my depths of my squats and all that sort of stuff. So check it out. You should get one for yourself. Always Moto podcast listeners can get a discount on it using the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout, and that will help you save with Slantboard Guy. Similarly, endurance recovery boots, we're using those. Getting the legs recovered before each and every session. Get endurance recovery boots to enhance your recovery and get it now. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase to check out the save with endurance recovery boots. And don't forget Tech 167 3D printing. They have all those cool little gizmos for your bike. They print them 3D colors, customized um, lettering. They can do it. So check them out. Let them know that you're an Always Motor podcast listener and they'll give you a discount on your purchase. As always, we do need your support to get to the races and be providing this insight and content. Uh, We're looking to get over the US here for a few more races here very, very soon, hopefully for that outdoor series. Uh, Nothing's set yet, but we're we're looking at getting there. We got our T-shirts available to help support the show. We need their $25 plus posting handling, and we need you to buy those shirts up real fast so we can get some new ones and get some new designs, and then you can get some of those as well. So rock your pod, your T-shirt at the next race to show support of the podcast. Um, email us at info at almostmoto.com. Put T-shirt order in the subject line and we'll be in touch with details for payment via PayPal. Now, speaking of PayPal, if, you're, if you are too sexy for your shirt, maybe you've got that bod that you just want to rock out without a shirt, that's fine. I won't judge. 
But maybe you still want to support the show. That's fantastic. You can just send a donation via that Always Moto PayPal account. Any amount will do. It helps us keep bringing you the content here at Always Moto. So to find all of these supporters and to support the show, follow the show notes or follow the links in the show notes or in the bio on our social pages and that'll take you straight to them. And that'll get make sure that we're getting the, uh, the credit for it as well and it'll help them stay on board with us and keep bringing the show through. All right, enough of this intro talk and my tongue twisters that I've been stuck on so far. Let's get into the show and see if I can get my words out a little bit better in the main part of the body of the show. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Bobby Piazza, and you're listening to Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys, girls, thanks for joining us on the Always Moto Podcast. Let's get into this show. Anaheim 2 has been running one. Uh, it was a triple crown. I'm not a massive fan of triple crowns. I don't know what it is. There's just something about them that I'm not super duper stoked on i think it's the fact that that third race can become a little bit of a snoozer if things don't play out well off the start for the you know the top three to five contenders because if they get bad starts and then the guy who's leading it is out front or you know second or third and the other guys are buried well there's a bit of a procession that can proceed from there in terms of they don't need to push forward so they can just sort of cruise around. And I'm, I'm not stoked on that. You know, if that's the final round and the championship's on the line, yeah, sure, cruise around, maintain a position. But in these sorts of, you know, round four, round 10, whatever it is that they run these triple crowns throughout this season, there's got to be more emphasis on these all three races counting for something. And maybe it can be as simple as, the last race is double points or, you know, points and a half for the overall for that night's event just to try and make that last round, you know, a little bit more exciting, make everybody push all the way to the end because I just want to see them, you know, not for, being forced, that's the wrong word, but, you know, making them work for the overall position that they're going to earn for that night, you know, and also take away the fact that if some of them have a one bad race, that it does, it sort of comes out in the wash. I don't, I don't like the fact that they can have a crash and they can not really drop too many points on these nights. I want to see that consistency being rewarded, and and I don't think the triple crowns quite do that. But in saying that, Cooper Webb took advantage of that. He managed to have three consistent races, no wins in a, in a single moto, but he managed to win the overall. Jason Anderson had a bit of an up and down night down in terms of the last race but the ups were his speed he was riding the wheels off that kawasaki he had pace and aggression like i haven't seen from him in quite some time so that was really impressive from jason anderson and look we'll talk aaron plessinger here quickly he's got the points lead a third in the night after uh, you know getting jason anderson getting docked but the other talking point of the night is obviously jet lawrence having another bit of a shocker there his starts are not where they should be Ever since we've gone from the outdoors where he basically got maybe not every hole shot, in you know, but he was one, two, or three off that line every moto, it, it seemed. SMX hasn't been good. Uh, Supercross has definitely been poor with the starts all through. I don't know whether it's a Honda thing, whether it's a Jet thing, whether it's a combination, but something's not working right for Jet Lawrence on the starts of these Supercross events recently both heats and mains, and if he can turn that around, he can turn around his results very, very quickly. He doesn't have to whole shot the races, but if he gets those you know, top three, top five even would be nice for him at the moment because he can't even manage that, it seems. 
that would make a massive difference in the ability for him to move forward because so far he's moving forward. He's just got to move too far forward to get a decent result. Now, in the 250s, it was much of a similar story where things didn't have to play out too much. Consistency played key. Levi Kitchen took the win. Um, he did manage to win a moto from RJ in one of the races and then settled in that third one because he knew he didn't have to do too much. Uh, but RJ went RJ in that last one, he had a flat, Didn't things didn't work out, he was a bit sketchy. Mind you, the qualifying video of him in the whoops is something else. If you haven't seen it, check it out on social media. It's RJ going RJ. Um, Jordan Smith had a bit of a rough night. That red plates was getting a bit of dust taken up off the ground a few times, unfortunately, for, for Jordan Smith. Uh but yeah, look, the rest of it, Joe Shimoda continues to have issues. Again, the starts are coming down. Again, it's a Honda that's having some starts issues. So whether it's pressure, you know, they had such a great year in 2023. 2024 hasn't quite worked out the same so far in both classes uh, for all three riders. And and obviously they've got their fourth rider coming in this weekend. Maybe things will change for chance, Hymas. But Joe Shimoda has not had the season he probably expected when he got off the bike at the end of uh, LA Coliseum for that last moto with his Pro Circuit Kawasaki ride. You know, he he did really well in those last couple of Super Motocross rounds. He would have expected to do much the same here in Supercross and it just, the results haven't been there. The riding itself seems okay. There's been crashes. That's, you know, that's not unusual. But the starts have been terrible, which have probably led to the crashes. So the riding once he's been going has been okay. He's just got to sort out a few things there. Now, let's talk Detroit. This weekend, we're heading to the first coast, East Coast race. It's going to be an indoor event, which is good. No worries about weather, finally. We've got a roof. Wonderful job. We're back to a standard format. Well, sort of. We've got the standard 20-minute plus one and the 15 plus one for the main events, but the actual layout of the day is very, very different. They've moved around the uh, order of the heat races, LCQs, to make this bit more attractive for the NBC live broadcast that they're going to be on. They're on the main channel over there this week for Supercross, which is kind of cool. It's a day race as well, but they have moved around the schedule. So the 450s who normally run the third and fourth heats races of the night are going to be heat one and two. 250s are going to be heat three and four. They're actually going to have the 450 LCQ first as well. The 250 LCQ is going to be next. But they're going then to the 250 main. There is only something like 10 minutes, not even, between when the end of the LCQ for the 250s is finished from when those top four riders who qualified are going to have to be back on the gate for the gate dropping for the 250 main. It's going to be tight. There won't be any clutch changes done in that time frame. There won't be anything happening. They might change their goggles. That's about it. So thank God they're inside this time and they're not going to be outside muddy it up and wanting to change gear because that ain't happening. They're going to have not much time at all. Physically, that's not going to be a problem for these guys, I would think. Um, they've got. It's not like it's a massive long race that they're doing before they're backing up. They will have some hydration aspects that they'll cover, yes. But physically, they'll be able to do it. But that bike prep, and if something goes wrong, say they get a little bump in the, in the LCQ from somebody in the last corner maybe break or bend a gear shift or they put a hole in a case, maybe they break a gear, le- a, a um, clutch lever, 
geez, it's going to be tight trying to get that stuff changed and back on. Like, yeah, clutch lever is okay. It's a couple of minutes to be good. But if you put a hole in a case, get a flat tire, you know, and you're on a second-tier team that doesn't have a wheel cart at the start of the main event, you might be pushing it to get a wheel changed in time, uh, you know, if you've got to get it back to the truck as such. So, yeah, it could be rather interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, there'll be somebody that complains, has something bad happen, but... You know, for the general purposes, I think the TV coverage, they're trying something new, so I, I don't mind it. I don't mind the fact that they're opening the night with their main stars and they're finishing the night with their main stars. Uh, it might also be a final look to be something where the 250s guys aren't getting the equal coverage that the 450 guys are getting. So it's not all bad. It's something new and different. But, yeah, just a little schedule change that obviously the 250 teams are going to have more effect on. If you're a 450 guy, but Think about this. If you're in that first heat race of the 450s and you qualify straight out of that heat to the main, you could pretty much walk down the street, go get a you know sit-down dinner in a restaurant downtown, come back to the event, get geared up, and still make it to the main event. You're going to have plenty of time. If you're in that LCQ, it'll be like, you know, sort of like normal. You have a bit more time between the heat and the LCQ. It'll be like normal, but... Um, but yeah, if you go straight from the heat to the main, go and get yourself a dinner, sit down dinner, you know, chill out, take the missus out, maybe catch a movie, maybe not that long, but you know, you, you get the point. There's a fair bit of time that they're going to have between time. Um, they might even be having sleeps, who knows? All right, let's move on to something else that's popped up. Now, this is a little crossover here. I was listening to Pulp MX, as many people do during the week and and interesting notes from steve mathers on the show there about the dragon's backs being removed this year and whoop sections going down to nine whoops only as a maximum length now all of that information is very very interesting to myself because obviously they're doing this from a point of view of reducing injuries or at least attempting to reduce injuries but this week's track map for the Detroit has actually 12 whoops on that map. Now, whether that was drawn before they decided to implement this change and they're going to, when during the build, only come out with nine whoops, that's something we'll have to wait and see when you actually get the pictures of the track. And I'll be counting those whoops this weekend when I'm watching the coverage. But the Dragon's backs and the whoops, look, I'd be interested to see if they actually had any data to say why like, that those areas of the track were dangerous because I have some. And this was something that came up last year. Gypsy, um, Jace from Gypsy Tales made a comment that went around and I commented back because I don't think he had any facts to back it up at the time about the fact that he wanted a call for the dragon's backs to be removed, that he thought that they were too dangerous. And at the time I challenged him and said, I don't think they are. There's nothing to prove that that's the case. And he didn't have anything to prove it. And whether that has then been heard by somebody at the AMA at Feld and they've gone, maybe he's right, and taken them out as a, as a move to improve safety. All that's well and good. I don't mind the fact that they're trying to make a change for improving the safety and getting more riders through the season healthy. That's a great thing. But just check this out for a second. There were nine tracks in 2023 that had a Dragon's Back on it. Six times that Dragon Back caused no injuries. Only three injuries at three different venues caused an injury for a Dragon's Back crash. So a Dragon's Back's really that bad considering we had something like nearly 120 injuries across the season. 
I don't think three injuries are really all that much. Now, the whoops are something I haven't got those information right here at this point. I've got to cross-check my information. I need to do a bit more of a deep dive. I haven't had time to do that one tonight, and I'll probably bring that to you next week. But the Dragons back one really hit home with me because I'd already looked that up and wanted to put that out there. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see if they had anything, if they checked any stats because they didn't ask me, and I've got those stats. I just gave them to you. Um, but if they wanted to reach out, maybe maybe they could. Maybe I should reach back out to the AMA and see if they would like some of that input to help you know potentially redesign how they do different things considering the injury data that I keep and I think that I'm the only one doing. So it might be worth reaching out to Always Moto if they're interested. All right, let's take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast. We're going to be back with the emergency department in just a sec. Hey guys and girls, I'm Gage Linville and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right guys and girls, we are back. Let's jump straight into this emergency department segment. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. I'll say it every week, you don't want to be on the list. Hashtag injuries are a part of motor, but recovery is just as much important as this as in this as well. They do get back on the bike. Now, let's start this emergency department with that little bit of different information. Let's look at the top 15 in the 450 class and go through how many races they have done in a, concess- in a successive pattern in the AMA. We're not including... Motocross of Nations, World Supercross or Paris or any other of those sort of, you know, side events. We're just looking at the AMA races and how many they've done in a row before they hit back to a point where they missed one from an injury. So let's run through the list. Aaron Plessinger, he's done 19 races without, uh, without an injury. Chase Sexton is 14. Cooper Webb, only seven. Seven races. He had that injury back uh, just before Red Bud in 2023, so he missed out. Now, I'm going to leave this one, the one in my next in my list to the end um, because there's two towards the end here that I want to make note of as who has the best record so far in the, at the current state. Eli Tomac only has four. Obviously, he only had did that Achilles at the end of the season last year, so he's done four races since that Achilles, uh, since his last injury. Jason Anderson, 14. Dylan Ferrandes, only four. He got injured at uh, the last round at the Super Motocross at LA Coliseum. So he's done four since then. Ken Roxon is a five. Now, five with an asterisk. Why is the asterisk there? He got injured at that last round of Supercross uh, and tweaked his knee. Yes, he wanted to come back out, but he still tweaked the knee and missed that race. He also has an asterisk because he didn't do all of the motocross series in 2023. He went and did World Supercross, etc. So that's an asterisk. He's done five. There probably is more there, but it's a five based on that criteria of AMA events only. Justin Barsha, only four as well. He remember he got injured. He was he made that pass for the lead in that last race or the in that last race at the LA Coliseum. Uh, so he's only four. Hunter Lawrence also injured before uh, during that LA Coliseum, so he only has four races. Justin Cooper um, has 14 races since an injury, and remember his injury was that throat injury at high point in the 250 class. Adam Cincerullo, obviously zero. He's had an injury last week, hasn't raced 
this week. Unlikely to race this week. We'll talk about him in a sec. Malcolm Stewart, four races since injury. Now, the two that are long on this list, and you might have picked up those names already, um, I haven't included Jorge Prado because he only did the four races this season of AMA, so I haven't included him in, in this list, but that's basically the info there for him. Shane McElrath has 37 races without uh, missing one from an injury. Now, again, there's an asterisk next to him because he didn't do all of motocross last year, so potentially this number is longer, bigger or smaller, depending on if he did those extra races and, and or if those extra races then caused him an injury. But he has 37. Now, who has the longest running race consecutive races at this point in the top 15 in the 450 class? It's Jet Lawrence. He has 39 races since he missed that final round of the East-West showdown of uh, the 250 class back in 2022. So that's an impressive run, 39 races. Not as impressive as many others over the years that we can probably look to, which I'll probably talk to those things in the future. But I just wanted to start introducing the listeners out there to these numbers. And I'm going to keep track of these over the coming weeks and see obviously when these numbers get cut off um, and, and how high these numbers can be. And we'll keep, keep mentioning them here in the emergency department as we go along. So interesting points there for you. But, yeah, Jet Lawrence, 39 races since his injury. Um, and obviously Adam Cincerella is the other end of that with zero since, <laughs> since an injury. So, yeah, a bit of an interesting look there at the uh, 450, top 15 in the 450 class. All right, let's talk the injuries from recent times. Uh, in this emergency department list, as we always do, Mitchell Harrison. Now, we talked about him last week on the show and thought we had some information direct from the team um, and he was going to be back for Anaheim too. Now, this is where I have to walk a bit of a straight line. I got that info direct from the team, trusted in that information. They didn't mention anything about a concussion, despite when I watched the video, I thought there probably would have been, but I took the information on face value. Uh, turns out that he didn't pass a concussion protocol and was unable to ride Anaheim too. And then was all over a social media reporting about it, which, you know, I sort of WTF'd at that moment because they didn't, the team didn't mention that that was an issue. They said he was all good to go. So it makes me feel a bit stupid when I report that information. And then I look wrong the day or so later, but it is what it is. This is why we have, um, you know, this is where we run into some of this information issues that I'm trying to clear up, but obviously at the same time, I would love to say, oh yeah, I watched that video. Uh, I think he's got a concussion, but if the team tells me otherwise, I'm sort of trying to make that line line ball call where I go, all right, I've got to trust in the teams because I want to get that information. So I'm going to put out a gentle information update and we'll bring more when we know more, which is what I've been saying a lot of these times last in the last few episodes about we'll bring more when we know more because trying to make sure that we're reporting on stuff that's actually legitimate injuries, not just hearsay and rumor. So that's the update on Mitchell Harrison. Hopefully this week he's passed the test, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. So he may be in for Detroit. He may not be. Uh, If he's back, there is a race at Glendale the following week, but then there is a week off after that. So if he doesn't pass, there's a chance that he might just take a little bit extra time and then, you know, that would give him sort of three, three, four weeks to recover uh, and to be back in time for the following race, uh, whatever that one is, the next one, which would be another East Coast at that point. Now, Luke Nice, my little mate uh, with a 
wonderful head of hair. Um, it was a very, very good sight to see his hair running around in the pits at Melbourne and World Supercross, um, just flowing everywhere out uh, out from under his hat. But uh, Luke, unfortunately, brought out the news this week that a week or so ago he had a crash whilst training, managed to break his fibula uh, on his le- in his leg. So it's fibula is the outside lower leg bone. It's that little bump on the outside of your ankle that's technically part of your fibula and it runs back up towards your knee he's broken it he's had surgery uh about what is it about a week ago he's had surgery now now his plan in talking to luke he's already back in the gym training uh he's not cycling he's got a cast on uh, so he's a little bit limited with that but i sort of tried to give him a bit of a push along to say you know as soon as you can get that cast removed and have like a moon boot that you can strap on and off do so uh, and start stationary cycling ASAP to try and get that range back because he has a little plan in place. And I said, you got to be start doing a bit more shit to get that plan to happen. And without, you know, pushing the envelope too much, but once that screw and, and is like all the plate and screw is in place and solid, which is usually after a couple of days, you know, and the pain starts to subside and the swelling goes down, there's no reason you can't be doing sort of things like some gentle cycling because it's not technically, it's not weight bearing. So long as there is no load on the, you know, you're not putting resistance onto the actual cycle bike. If it's all unloaded and it's free, free spinning, no reason you can't be doing something like that. So he's got a plan where he thinks he might be able to get back to the second round of the East Coast because like, like I just mentioned with the Mitchell Harrison update, this week's Detroit, next week's Glendale, which is a West Coast round, but then there is a week off and then they're back to an East Coast. So he has a couple of weeks up his sleeve. He'd be about five weeks if he raced that second round of the East Coast. It's possible. It's very possible. I sort of gave the example to Luke when I was talking to him of Christian Craig at the end of um, not his championship year and the 250SX, but the year before. Um, and he basically had that ankle fracture uh, got it repaired at the end of the Supercross there and then went straight to 450 Outdoors and made this first round. And that was about that same sort of four or five-week turnaround. So it is possible. It's just, you know, got to put a bit of effort in, a bit of grit, push the envelope a little bit without pushing it too far uh, and just be careful with your rehab. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes the doctors, and I'll say this a little bit cautiously and loosely, cautiously and loosely that makes complete sense there's a little double double uh double stuff up there david but they they're obviously protective of their work and have a set standard time frame that they say to everybody but if you put in more rehab than the guy next to you your time frame will be shorter than others so keep that in mind that you can do things in a little different time space than what the doctors may say to you sometimes you're exactly what they say sometimes you're longer but in a lot of cases, you can make that time frame just a little bit shorter than they anticipate uh, with a little bit of effort and a little bit of uh, pushing through what might be a pain barrier for some people. But yeah, so Luke's got some work to do. So we'll keep an eye on him. We'll check in with him closer to his return. We might even try and get him on the podcast and see how he's going. Um, but yeah, unfortunate news there for Luke Nees because he was looking pretty cool in Melbourne and obviously with a good off-season, he probably would have been running really well in the East Coast, but... It's not to be at this stage. All right, let's go on to Adam Cincerulo. Now, we spoke about this a little bit last week because obviously it came out that there was some information that he'd broken his hand or his finger. 
Still don't know which one it is because his own podcast said uh, finger in one and in the top of his left hand and another. So whether he's just looking at his hand upside down and then he turns it around the other way and it looks like it's his finger or it's his hand, I don't know. You know, you can never quite tell when these guys are telling telling us about the injury. Unless they read it off the report, they're probably going to get it wrong, which is unfortunate, but that's what it is. So it's something on his left hand or left finger, left ring finger. Uh, He has a fracture. Unable to ride through, despite he rode through round one, um, he got the injury at round one, rode through round two and three. Obviously, those mud events helped him get through it. Round four in Anaheim, uh, the dry track, the faster pace, um, wasn't able to do it. So he's probably now likely going to be out for about two to four weeks, depending on how progressed that fracture was and the if the riding delayed the recovery. Um, he's mentioned in his podcast that it was an non-displaced which is great because it means the two ends of the bone are still in the places that they're supposed to be displaced means that they've moved apart and you know requires usually requires surgical intervention to put them back together so that they will heal um, which then obviously usually involves a plate and screws so if it's like if it is as he indicates non-displaced he's probably two weeks maybe up to four that he's going to be missing here but again for Adam Cincerulo this is a, a bit of a pattern he's unfortunately missing more races um, in 2024, he missed races in 2023, missed races in 2022. You can see the pattern here, unfortunately, for Adam. Now, obviously, part of the problem for Adam was that, you know, the left hand strength wasn't there because of this fracture. He couldn't compensate with his right because he already has that nerve issue on his right side that is reducing his grip strength there already. Now, I do wonder, as much as Adam has done supposedly from the minimal information he's talked about his injury because obviously he's started to give up on talking about it because he's probably sick of talking about it in the media so you don't hear too much about what's on it. But he's he's done different treatments. He's done that stem cell piece as well. Now, I'm not sure that I agree or disagree with that. I'm, I'm, if I was in his position, I'd probably give it a try too, but I'm not going to hold my breath to say that it's guaranteed to work because – Nerves are a different animal when it comes to recovery. I've said this before on the show, but nerves recover at a very slow rate. They regenerate in terms of um, it's you know they they the sheath that covers the nerve that keeps the electrical signal in has to be repaired, and that regenerates over a very slow period and over a very long time. Slow slow rate of re- regenerating over a long period of time. The regeneration occurs at a millimeter a day. So if you think that that cord starts in your neck, in this case of Adams, going down his ulnar nerve, that they had that ulnar nerve transposition surgery done, which transposition means that it was moved from the position that it was to try and take away the pressure for him. Now, if your ulnar nerve starts in your neck, which it does, runs all the way down to the tip of your pinky finger, which it does, and then you have to regenerate all the way back to make that signal complete, get all the way back. How many millimeters is that down your arm and back? A lot. So generally they'll say it's two to three years for a nerve to regenerate and repair itself if it will actually be able to do so. So once you go past that two, three-year mark, if it's not any better, it's likely not going to be any better. But there is still plenty of things that you could do. Now, this is where I'm wondering whether Adam has done all the things that he could have possibly done 
even in the basic sense of just general rehab. Now, I go back to my own experiences with nerve injuries. I've had my own, I have my own nerve issue. Um, unfortunately, mine can only repair so far because um, I actually severed it into my ulnar nerve. Funnily enough, same thing, not in the same injury aspect, just a different portion of it. Um, but I've also had experiences treating these clients in the, in the past as well in the clinic uh, with nerve pain. Now, there are some basic things that should be done, but I always wonder about the American medical models and whether they are actually done because a lot of the times when I've talked to these riders over the few years that I've been doing this now, these interviews, I obviously talked to them before and after the recorded period that you guys hear on the podcast and I talk to them about their recovery and I offer my insights if I can to try and help them. I like being that sort of being able to help and give insight and I've written programs for people. Um, I've been still helping Ezra Hastings who we've had on the show before uh, with his dramas with his knees that he's been ongoing. I've got a program going for him. I've helped some other writers that I won't mention because you know maybe they don't want me to, want to know that I've mentioned them. But I've given them different exercises that are different from what they've been prescribed because, the, like I said, the American model seems to be a little bit different. Obviously, they've got different training, um, different ideas, but also it could just be the fact that, you, you know, like in Australia, you can see a doctor or a physio or whoever and you can get three different opinions and three of them, two of them are okay and the, th- and the third one's shit. Um, and then you might go and see a fourth one and he's an absolute expert and knows exactly what he needs to do. So you get good and bad in all of this. So whether they've just seen somebody who doesn't have the right answers or not, you don't know. But I would love to have that conversation with him and just see, see if he's done the things that I think that he should have done. Um, just some basic nerve movements. There's some different glides and just it's essentially range of motion stuff, but it's basic and it could just help that entrapment that he seemed to have of the nerve. And I just feel that I, I really want to try and reach out and help, but so far I haven't been able to obviously get to anywhere. But there's, there's these things need to be done over a period of time and, and to a degree where you control your input to that nerve and the output that comes from it is controlled as well. And I feel that that could help him a lot. But whether he's done it for the time, the, the, in, the, in that manner and the time period, the extended time period that he needs to to get the results that he needs to, amongst a bunch of other things that I think he could also do as well. So, I, I, you know, I might get that conversation one day. It hasn't happened so far, but maybe one day we'll, we'll learn those answers and maybe even be able to help that recovery. Maybe not. Maybe I'm full of shit. We'd, we would find out fairly quickly. Um, but just maybe, maybe we could see what happens there. But Adam Sinsrul, unfortunately, like we said earlier, out for another week or so at this stage, just with this hand fracture. Um, hopefully, he's making that time to good use with the uh, right nerve issue as well to try and help that side of things progress along a bit further as well. All right, now let's, as part of this emergency department, we are going to have a bit of a preview of the 250 East coast riders for this week that are joining into the series now i'm just going to get up that information list here excuse me so this week we're going to go through the the riders who have a top 100 national number and just talk about a little bit of their pre-season or their injury that they're coming off of heading into this season now let's start with jeremy martin and number six on that club mx yamaha 
Last time we saw Jeremy was at Hangtown and he had that Z-shaped forearm when he crashed in the first first corner, second corner of that national there, round two, I think it was, for last year. We haven't seen Jeremy since. He's obviously had a decent off-season now. It's been quite a while. That was back in May that that injury occurred. So he's had plenty of time for recovery, but it was a nasty injury Um Breaking both those forearm bones is never a good thing. So Jeremy's obviously coming off an injury. Tom Vial, um, nothing to be concerned about there. He should be fully fit and fighting fast. Uh, he's been riding at the sandbox with uh, Roxon, Chisholm, a bunch of other guys there. So, yeah, interesting to see how Tom Vial goes in his second season of Supercross. Jalik Swole, unfortunately, he's been out for a little bit as well. <clears throat> last time we saw Jalik was, let me just find this here. Actually, no, sorry, make a lot of me. He rode um, the three rounds of Super Motocross, um, but he did have some issues throughout the previous season, I believe. Let me find him on here. No, he's done all the rounds, but he's had some no-scoring motos as well. So, look, Jalik's obviously on that triumph as well, so that'll be a bit of a different setup there for Jalik uh, in terms of how things will go. Um, but I'm very interested to see how that bike looks, functions. Uh, I'd love to get on top of it and have a ride of it as well at some point when they do have these releases, which I've heard they're doing in America uh, um, fairly soon. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we're going to be a part of that at this stage. The invite has not been re- received at this stage. Uh, next on the list, Max Anstey, Firepower Honda, our um, World Supercross 250 SX2 champ. Uh, no concerns for Max Anstey at this stage going into this season. He's coming off, obviously, the Australian Supercross Championship, the World Supercross Championship. He is probably one of the most uh, prepared riders for this season, having those race wins in the off-season. So it'll be interesting to see how Max Anstey does in 2024. Hayden Deegan's next on the list, the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha. Now the press conference held for the 250 East Coast he admitted to having a wrist injury. He did not admit to having a fractured wrist or anything like this. As the such, he put it, it was a sprain. Not going to comment too much further on what that, you know, could have been elsewise, but uh, he's been back on the bike for about two weeks now. Expect him to be building fitness in this round. And, you know, yes, he could still win the race, but I dare say he will be a lot better come round two. Pierce Brown is, uh, despite having, you know, uh, a reasonably okay end of the season. He was part of those super motocross rounds. Just looking for Pierce here. He did miss the beginning half of the uh, pro motocross series last year, but he did have the end of that season where you know he had a consistent run. So with a decent off season, Pierce should be doing okay on that Troy Lee Designs gas gas. Seth Hamaker, unfortunately, on that pro circuit Kawasaki. Uh, he had that crash at that final round of the LA um, Coliseum for the Super Motocross. So he's had a bit of a delayed start to his off-season slash pre-season. Um, so again, he'll probably be building into this season. Let's just hope for Seth's sake. He's had some good Supercross speed in the couple of races that he has done. Uh, just hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout the whole season of any of the series that he's done, it seems, so far in his pro career. Chance Hymas is back on that Team HRC Honda. Uh, last time we saw him, he was leading motos at High Point, I think it was, and he had that ACL injury during that week afterwards, and he's been out since. So this is his first race back. 
Cullen Park is back on the Phoenix Racing Honda. He was on that Suzuki um, in World Supercross. Had a reasonably good off-season from what I understand. Um, so, yeah, he's he should be looking good. I be, wouldn't be surprised he does okay in this series. Cullen Park's a bit of a sneaky fast rider. Yes, his size doesn't help him on the starts for a 250, but he's pretty quick otherwise. Daxton Bennick, there's rumours around that he got hit by a car in his off-season training early in the off-season, uh, but he should be A-OK and everything now. No word as to you know if there was anything, sev- any major injury from that. Just all rumours. There's so many rumours flying around the Star Racing team. I tried to reach out and find out some more information, but I haven't got anywhere on that side of things. And I dare say there'll be some more of that info popping up over the next week or so post races, press conferences, all those sorts of interviews that the riders will do, they'll probably let slip on some of that information. So I'd be interested to see what Daxton says, if anything, about that scenario. Lorenzo LaCurcio is going to be riding a 250 for that Wildcat race team. Uh, Now, the last time Lorenzo was racing, he unfortunately um, managed to tear a shoulder um, and had to have surgery in the off-season. Now, I'm just trying to go back and find where Lorenzo went out. He went out uh, at... Uh, at Spring Creek, unfortunately, it happened for him. So it's been you know a couple of months now. He should be A-OK, but he, again, he might be building fitness once the race days start. So we'll see how that goes. Cameron McAdoo, Pro Circuit Kawasaki. <coughs> we'll try that again. Cameron McAdoo, Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Just had a bit of a frog in the throat there. Um he has, he has had a bit of a AC joint sprain throughout the off-season. So as much as he is ready to go at the moment, fitness and everything, much like some of these other ones that I've commented on, will probably be building and be better by round two. Um, but I would expect Cameron to be quite um, you know, in the championship hunt uh, so long as he can stay healthy for the entire season. His teammates next on the list, Austin Faulkner, also Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Um, yes, he was back. Yes, he had that crash at the beginning of the 250 Supercross and went out on the start straight. He did ride – how many did he ride? One, two – I think it was one. Yes, he rode the opening Super Motocross race at um, – Charlotte, but then he didn't do the second or third race. So he took that time off because he still had a bit of an issue with his knee. He wasn't quite ready. So he took that extra time. So was that race useful? Don't know, but I dare say he's fully fighting fit by now because it's a year since he uh, since he had that ACL repair done. Cody Shock is on the Club MX Yamaha, A-OK heading into the race. Marshall Welton, um, Rock River Yamaha. Uh, okay, okay. Gilliam Ferres also um, he switched teams. Last time he was on a on a um, Star Racing Yamaha, but now he is on the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna Factory Racing. Now the last time we saw Gilliam was a at Thunder Valley, and he was a part of that first turn crash, and unfortunately had an injury there that saw him miss the rest of the season. So that was the last time we saw Gilliam. So it'd be interesting to see, one, obviously he's changed bike, but two, how his fitness and everything is heading into the season. Luca Marsalisi, Tyloop Honda, um, all good. Hardy Munez. Hardy's an interesting one. He's always interesting up and down all around. 
Now, I think the last time we saw Hardy, he had switched teams and didn't finish out the motocross season. But Hardy also had that injury at uh, head, head injury at Thunder Valley mid-season. So it'll be interesting to see how Hardy's doing. Uh, different ride this year as well for him. He's on the HBI Racing Kawasaki. Bryce Shelley, um, the Dirt Bike Depot Racing, uh, all good for the Yamaha rider heading into 2024. And Jet Reynolds. Last one on the list here is number 99, uh, Muck off FXR, Club MX Yamaha. Jet's an interesting one. Um, he's had, I think it's two attempts at doing Supercross and hasn't gone well. He got injured on his press day before the first race and didn't get to do any. As for outdoors, he's had a couple of goes there, but also has had issues and Hasn't been well, um, you know, the the whole moto virus that I refer to at times, that Epstein Bar, I think is part of that story there. Um, but he's no longer with Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Obviously, like I said, he's on Club MX Yamaha. We'll have to see how it goes. I think this will be just a building year for Jet in Supercross. And if he can get through Supercross healthy, that will be a big step towards having a solid outdoor season. And then obviously trying to just back that up again and be with Club MX Yamaha again the following year. But let's see how it all goes. If he gets through this first race in one piece and his fitness is built and he maybe gets a bit of confidence from it, there is a chance that this this rider, this young rider, has what it takes to be up the front but so far hasn't had the opportunity to show it. So I'm curious to see how this season goes for Jet Reynolds and Club MX Yamaha. All right, I think that's our updates. So that's the 250 list. Uh, That was our emergency department. We're going to just take a quick break here and we'll be back with a tiny bit more info. Hey guys, it's Luke Nice. I'll be riding for Club MX Yamaha and the World Supercross Series and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. Now, one more thing I forgot to mention in the uh, emergency department before. If anybody hasn't seen it already, um, Aaron, Aaron Tanti, um, Team PRMX Parts, Zilla, Kawasaki, uh, is back in the gym training after his surgery. Now, we spoke to him on the show two weeks ago, I think it was. And he'd had that uh, surgery done to his shoulder following that crash in the whoops that everybody saw and cringed at. Uh, but he, is, he was in a sling doing some cycle bike work, which was awesome, and a bunch of other stuff. The physio that he's seeing up there, Fighting Fit Physio, was doing some good rehab work um, and just making – got to be creative when you've got an arm in a sling because there's plenty of stuff you can still do. you just got to be doing it in a careful manner. Now, I've also seen – Today, a second um, update from from Aaron and that and the gym, and he's actually starting to do some deadlifts because the arm can just hang straight and hold onto the bar. So he's working hard. He's making his efforts to get back for you know some AMA Supercross here real soon. And he mentioned to us Daytona was his aim to be heading back over. Whether he was racing or not by that point was another thing. But he's got a few weeks um, to get that sort of thing happening. So. I'm curious to watch the progress there. And we might be talking to his physio uh, here on the show in a week or two. We've um, reached out to him and we're having a bit of a positive chat there with Dean. So we'll um, see what we can um, see what we can get because it would be interesting to bring some information around rehab and 
doing exercise whilst injured because uh, it's something that I did a lot of when I was injured and bringing myself back from all those Qatar injuries that I had. Uh, and it's something that everybody should do. It's just not everybody has the confidence or the guidance to do it. So we might have a bit of a chat about that in future episodes. All right, now let's do our usual wrap-up here at the end of the show. Let's talk about the viewing times from the New South Wales viewers in Australia for Super Motocross as per the app details. This week, because we're in Detroit, we're East Coast, and it's a day race, things have changed a little bit around. Uh, race Day Live is going to start at 1.30 a.m. New South Wales time. Uh, so that'll be nice and early. <laughs> uh, and racing, the actual racing, the night program or the day program, but the main events, the heats, the main events, they'll be from 7 a.m. New South Wales time. So check, the, you know, if you're not listening from New South Wales, check the uh, conversion there for whatever state and territory you're in. Uh, but yeah, 1.30, race day live, 7 a.m., for main racing in New South Wales times. Now, the weather, obviously, there's a roof. We've got a roof in Detroit, so that's fine. But it's going to be cold. Holy crap, it's going to be cold. Um, it's minus 3 to 3 degrees is the temperature range in Detroit on Saturday. So I would not want to be standing outside at all. Hence, they don't have a fan fest in Detroit because nobody wants to be outside in those temperatures. All right. So that's those little updates. Now, thank you. Great show. Great show this week. Even though it was a short show, we did some different stuff. And the input that I've been getting from a few people out there, um, my man from Helltech, one, um, Paul, thank you. Um, it's been awesome getting some feedback from you guys and girls that are listening to us and uh, getting some input and trying to help get some connections to some of these riders as well. So appreciate the input from all of you out there. Um, make sure you send me DMs and we can chat more about it. Um, if you're not part of the uh, Always Moto Fantasy League with Coastal Motorcycle Centre supporting it and Helltech Australia supporting it, please send us a DM. We can get you in the Always Moto Fantasy League group chat. Um, I don't have an update for that this week. I actually forgot to put my tips in last week, so I was a shit out of luck with points. Um, we'll get to another update on our series leaders next week. Um, sorry on that side of things, guys. I just... It's been a busy week, work week-wise, kids back to school. Uh, it's just been nuts. So I'm lucky to even get this one out. Um, but I wanted to get that information. I had those other things that we'd been working on and had some input from people. I wanted to show that we were getting that, we were hearing that and we're making the effort to improve things here on the Always Motor Podcast because we always want to improve. We always want to be the leading edge for the injuries in our sport and the updates and the fitness side of things as well. So... Here's me doing my best at, at the late hour that it is on a Thursday night here in Australia. All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to send those T-shirt orders in to info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on our social media channels to stay up to date with all things moto and injuries. Um, search Always Moto, then follow subscribe. And if your podcast feed allows, make sure you rate it um, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give thumbs up on the videos. Leave a comment. It's perfect. It helps the recognition of the algorithms so it's helping us a lot when you hit that like or that subscribe button it means heaps to me so please do so don't forget to check out our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and and we'll soon have some other stuff going in there very very soon but that's it for another show thanks to elite motor australia pivot pegs competitive edge performance slant board guy endurance recovery boots and tech 167 3d printing for the show support Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre and Helltech Australia. Thanks to you guys and girls out there for listening. Thanks to the wife and kids for, let, for letting me get this done. It's been hard, but we got it done this week. 
Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it sticks. But remember, sometimes you've got to trust that time heals 99% of everything.